And Lord, I pray now as we move into your word, studying Hebrews, would you pour out your Holy Spirit upon us? I just am struck with what an honor it is to speak about such amazing truths. And I pray that we would all have eyes to see the wonder of Jesus Christ, our great high priest, like we've never seen before, like we've never felt before, that we would see and behold and trust and worship and be even more transformed. So, Lord, pour out your grace upon me. I need your help to preach and move upon us all now, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Good. So as I was thinking about the passage for this morning, what what struck me was that if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, if you've given your life to him, you're trusting him, saved through his grace by his death on the cross, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, then your purpose for being here on earth is to help other people come to know him. That's why you're here. That's your, your purpose. Neighborhood, work associates, friends, family, your purpose is to help other people come to know Jesus Christ so they can be forgiven of all their sins, reconciled, reconciled to God, experiencing him as their heart-satisfying treasure. That's our purpose, to help other people come to know Jesus Christ. But I wonder how many of you have experienced what I've experienced from times, and you think about all the people, like at the mall, all the people around the globe, all the people at maybe your workplace or in your neighborhood. How many of you have ever, ever thought, is it really true that all of them need Jesus Christ? Really? I mean, think of all the diversity in your neighborhood, all the different people that are there at your workplace, all the people around the globe, six billion people. Is it really true that everyone needs Jesus Christ? Who am I to say that? I mean, yes, Jesus is working for me. I, I love him. I trust him. But isn't it a bit presumptuous for me to, to say that every other person that I know needs Jesus Christ? Anybody else ever struggle with that question a little bit? Got good news for you. In this next section of the book of Hebrews, the author powerfully answers that question. And so I'm praying that God's going to do two things this morning. One is I'm praying that as we move into communion, as a response to this message, we will more clearly see how much we need to and how open the door is for us to draw near to God through Jesus. That's, that's one result this will have in our lives. So we will draw near to God through Jesus Christ and meet him as we partake of communion together. But the second result is I'm praying that God will give us all an increased holy boldness to tell everyone about Jesus Christ. Because we will see, like maybe never before, everyone needs him. So let's turn. Hebrews chapter 7. And as we always say, if you need a Bible, we want you to have one that you can look on with us. So raise your hand if you need a Bible. We'll bring one to you. Hebrews 7 is on page 1005 in the Bibles that we're passing out. What we're going to see in this passage is why all of your neighbors need Jesus Christ. Every one of them. Why your boss needs Jesus Christ, and those who are working on your team need Jesus Christ, and everybody else at your workplace. Why they all need Jesus Christ. Why everybody in your family needs Jesus Christ. Why all your friends, everybody you see at the mall, everyone needs Jesus Christ. We're going to see that from this passage. And of course, why you need Jesus Christ as well. Maybe you're here and you have not yet come to the place in your life where you turn from whatever else you've been trusting to satisfy you, 
and you're trusting Jesus Christ to forgive you, to change you, to fill you with his love, bring you to the Father, may that happen today. So let's start with this first question. What does everyone need? And the author tells us in verse 25, Hebrews chapter 7, verse 25, what does everyone need? Look at what he says. Consequently, he, speaking of Jesus Christ, is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him. Just stop there. So what does everyone need? We all need to be saved from our sins. Every single person on planet Earth needs to be saved from his or her sins. And here's why. God created you. God created everyone. You are here not by accident, but because God chose to create you and give you life and place you on planet Earth so that you could have the joy of knowing him. That's why you're here. It's all about God. God is glorious. God is an amazing being. He's an overflowing fountain of good to all who will turn to him. And so God created you, a little creature in this big universe with a bigger God, and he created you so you could have your heart filled with the joy of knowing him, worshiping him, obeying him, and trusting him. That's why you're here. That's why everyone's here. And we've all rebelled against him, turned our backs on him, refused to obey him, not to trust him. And we've done that knowingly and persistently and willingly. And it's, it's cosmic blasphemy. It is horrifying sacrilege that we, us creatures, created beings, would turn our backs on our creator God and just say, no! And so because God's just, we all face his punishment. We all face his punishment. Every neighbor faces God's punishment for his, her sins. Everybody at your workplace faces God's punishment for sins. Everybody you'll see at the restaurant this afternoon faces God's punishment for sins unless they get saved. Unless they get saved. So how can we be saved from our sins? What we've read in Hebrews these last weeks and what we see here right in verse 25 is that we can be saved from our sins by Jesus Christ, our perfect high priest. That's how we can be saved. Because of our sinfulness, the only way any human being can come before a holy, righteous, just God is through Jesus, our high priest, because of his perfect sacrifice for our sins. That's the only way any human being can come to God is through Jesus Christ, our high priest. And to help all of humanity learn that, God raised up the nation of Israel and placed Israel right in the center of the Mediterranean world, all all the civilizations around there, placed them there for thousands of years and had the Old, Old Testament believers have them have priests and have animal sacrifices and have the temple. And the whole purpose of that was to teach all of humanity back then and since then, as we read, to teach all of humanity how can a sinful man How can a sinful woman, how can a sinful young person come before a holy and righteous God? And there's only one way. It's through Jesus Christ, the high priest, because of his sacrifice for our sins. Now, let me just, a little more detail about what happened in the Old Testament. We've talked about this before, but I want you to, to again, feel what happened. God raised up Israel, placed them there in the Mediterranean, to the east of the Mediterranean. And he established priests and animal sacrifices in the temple. So here's what you would do. If you sinned this afternoon, 
you would go to the priest with a lamb that was without blemish. And you'd confess your sin to that priest. And he would say, put your hand on the head of that lamb. And you would put your hand on the head of the lamb as a picture of the, the, the guilt that you have before God for your sin being transferred from you onto that lamb. A picture of, of a, it's a symbolic picture of, tr- of transfer. And then the priest would give you a knife and he would say, kill the lamb. And you'd kill the lamb. And the priest would take the lamb's body and the lamb's blood and would present it before God on an altar as a picture of payment being made for your, your sin. That's what happened thousands and thousands and thousands of time during the, uh, times during, the, during Israel's history. Now, those Old Testament priests were not sinless. They were not perfect. And their sacrifices, we will see in a couple more chapters in Hebrews, did not pay for anyone's sin. But they pictured for us. They were a picture of what we needed in order to be saved. They were a picture of how we can come to God. We can come to God through a priest. We need a priest who has a payment for our sins. That's how we come to God. And so again, God placed Israel for thousands of years in the Mediterranean, raised them up, told them to have the priests, have the animal sacrifices, have the temple, so that everyone would see and learn and know this is how human beings who have sinned can become right with God. We need to come through a perfect priest. We need to have a priest who has an offering for our sin. That's how we come to God. So everybody can see that from Israel's history, thousands of years of history. We all can look and see this is God telling us this is how it works. So here's what this means. Your neighbor cannot come to God on his own. He has to have a perfect priest with the sacrifice that pays for his sins. Your neighbor needs that right now. Your manager can't come to God by going off into nature and communing with nature. She, she needs a perfect pre, priest with a sacrifice that pays for her sins. That's the only way she can come to God. Your family member who's not saved yet can't come to God by trying to be good enough. Going to church every Sunday. It's not the way it works. Your family member, your friend, everyone around the globe needs a perfect priest with a sacrifice that pays for sin. That's the only way any human being can come before a holy, righteous God and be loved and forgiven and welcomed and accepted. So who is this perfect priest? Again, we've seen all through the book of Hebrews, and Ian taught us from especially the beginning of chapter 7 last week. It's Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the perfect high priest whose death pays for sin. And so what do we need to do to be saved by him? Verse 25, read it again. Consequently, he, Jesus Christ, is able to save to the uttermost those who, who who do what? Who draw near to God through him. To be saved, we draw near to God through Jesus Christ. We say, God, I, I, I want you, I need you more than anything, and I recognize the only way I can come is if I come through the perfect high priest, Jesus, because his death paid for my sins. That's how we're saved. Coming to God 
through Jesus Christ. Not by agreeing to facts. You can agree to a lot of facts about Jesus and never come to God through Jesus. Have you come to God through Jesus? That's how we're saved. Not by trying to be good, not by going to church, not by by trying to make yourself be impressed to God. There's only one way. We come to God through Jesus. That's the only way we can come to God. So we're asking the question, what does everyone need? And verse 25 is so powerful. Everyone needs to be saved from sin's guilt through the perfect high priest, Jesus Christ, whose death paid for our sins. And the way we are saved is by coming to God through Jesus. That's what everyone needs. And this raises another question. The verb drawing near in verse 25, it's in the present tense, which means those who are saved aren't just those who drew near to God once a year ago. Those who are saved are those who continue to draw near to God. We continue to draw near to God. That's the the mode of our life. That's what we feed on. That's what we live on. That's what we live for. Drawing near to God through Jesus. It's not just once that we did a year ago or six months ago or two years ago. But we continue to draw near to God. And so that could be a troubling verse or verb for the readers of this letter to read, which is why the author of Hebrews says what he does at the very end of verse 25. See, the question this could raise is, what if I stop drawing near? What if next week I become dull of hearing, like we've talked about in earlier chapters of Hebrews. What if I become dull of hearing this next week and just, I'm not interested in reading the Bible anymore. I'm not interested in drawing near to God through Christ anymore. What if I become distracted by money or, or you know, overemphasis on career or a relationship and just, I'm not interested in, in, in God anymore. What if I stop drawing near? Look at what the author says at the end of verse 25. This is so powerful. I'll read the whole verse. Consequently, He's able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him since he always lives to make intercession for them. Here's what this means. Jesus died on the cross to pay for our sins. He rose again on the third day. After 40 days of teaching the apostles, he ascended into heaven and he's there at the right hand of God. Okay, there he is at the right hand of God. And at the right hand of God, he's there and we're, we're, we're drawing near to God through him. He's always there presenting himself as the perfect high priest, his perfect sinlessness with his death for sin to pay for our sins. He's always there representing us before the Father so we can always come to the Father through him. That's one thing he does. But there's a crucial second thing that he does. Did you realize this? He's always making intercession for you. If you're trusting Jesus Christ right now, that he is right now at the right hand of the Father praying for you right now. And because he's God, he can be praying for you at the same time as he's praying for me. Okay, and everybody else who's here and every other believer around the face of the the globe. So Jesus Christ is there praying for us. And what is he praying for? There's two places in the New Testament where we see Jesus praying for his people. Luke 22 is one of them where he's praying for Peter. 
And John 17 is the other where he's praying for all believers. And what does he pray for us? To put it in different words, he's praying that we will keep drawing near to God through Jesus. That's what he's praying for. Keep them drawing near. Pour out your spirit upon them. Incline their hearts to you. Incline their hearts to the word. Keep them drawing near to you through me. Father, keep them. Protect them. Keep them. Guard them. So, let's say yesterday you had a really busy day. Busy Saturday. Running errands, doing this, doing that, taking care of your kids, whatever you're doing. Didn't get any time with the Lord. You had no time with the Lord at all. And, and it's 7 o'clock last night and you are just like whipped. And you remember, oh, I, I haven't had any time with the Lord. And then you're thinking, man, but I, I could hang out on Facebook for a while right now, you know, or I could check my email or channel surfing would be interesting. I'm just, I'm wiped out, you know. And, but he says, no, no, I, man, what I really need, Fuller, what do you really need? I, I really need to get time with God right now. I need to seek the Lord right now. He is a fountain of living water. I am a thirsty soul. Everything else compared to him is ashes. Forget that stuff. I'm going to seek the Lord. Okay, let's say, if that's what you did last night, do you know why you did that last night? It's because yesterday Jesus was saying, Father, it's been busy. She's been taking care of the kids, running errands. He's been, you know, fixing the kitchen's faucet and no time with me. Father, don't let them get distracted here. Don't let them be drawn off by other things. Father, draw them to you through me. Work in their hearts. Keep them drawing near to you through me. And whenever Jesus prays before the Father for you or for me, the Father smiles. He always says, yes, I will. And so he pours out his spirit, works in your heart. You don't want to pursue that. You don't pursue that. Lord, I'm tired. Help me. Meet me in the word. And then just like Daniela shared, just like Maria shared, God meets you, pours out his spirit, rivers of living water. You're filled. The Father's smiling. Jesus is smiling. The Holy Spirit's smiling. You're smiling. How will you be able to keep drawing near to God through Jesus? It's because he is constantly interceding for you in prayer. That's why. So every, every believer must keep drawing near to God through Jesus. And every believer will keep drawing near to God through Jesus because he's interceding for you. And the Father always answers those prayers. Every redeemed man, woman, every saved young person, old person, Every elect, every, every member of the body of Christ will keep drawing near to God through Jesus all the way to heaven. There is no question about it. If you're trusting Jesus right now, Jesus is praying for you today. He's praying for you tomorrow. You will not fall away. You will keep drawing near to God through Jesus because he's praying for you. It's secured. It's in the bag. Take it to the bank. You're going to keep pressing on, keep persevering all the way to the end. So here's what verse 25 is saying. This is, this is crucial truth. Here's what we learn. Every human being needs Jesus Christ as his or her great high priest, perfect high priest, who has a, a sacrifice that's paying for sin. And everyone who comes to Jesus, comes to God through Jesus, will have Jesus praying for them so that we continue to draw near to God through Jesus for the rest of our lives and enter heaven saved, forgiven, redeemed, the whole thing. Everyone needs that. Now, this raises another question. And that is, you know, the Old Testament is the Word of God. 
Okay, Genesis through Malachi. God's very words in the Old Testament. And the Old Testament called God's people to come to God through the Levitical priests. The Old Testament priests with the animal sacrifices. And so how can we be sure that Jesus is our perfect high priest? It sounds like this priest thing is pretty important. Are you sure we shouldn't go and find a Levitical priest somewhere? Really? I mean, this is important. Fuller, you just told me how important this is. Okay, I get it. It's important. But what about the Levitical priests? Weren't they the ones that God was talking about? Anybody else feel that question? The author of Hebrews thinks we might at this point. And so in verses 26 through 28, he gives us four reasons why Jesus is the perfect high priest. First reason, it's because Jesus is without sin. And I think about this. Here's how this works. If sinful people can't come to God on their own without being represented by a priest, then what if the priest is sinful? That means that the priest needs to come to God through a priest. But what if that priest is sinful? You see the problem? If the priests are sinful, then it's clear that priesthood is not what God's talking about. And look at what the author says in verse 26. The reason Jesus, one reason he's the perfect high priest is because he's without sin. The priest has to be without sin or he's going to need a priest without sin to represent him. Verse 26, for it was indeed fitting that we should have such a high priest, holy, innocent, unstained, separated from sinners. That's Jesus. All the Levitical priests were sinful men. Jesus Christ is without sin, morally blameless, perfect in goodness. That's the first reason. Jesus is without sin. Second reason. Jesus is exalted above the heavens. Read all of verse 26. For it was indeed fitting that we should have such a high priest, holy, innocent, unstained, separated from sinners, and exalted above the heavens. Why is that so important? What does that mean? Okay, the word heavens in this context means sky. Not heaven where God dwells, but he's talking about sky. So Jesus was exalted above the sky that is he. He went to heaven. When he ascended, he went to heaven. He went right to the right hand of God. He's right there at the throne of God. Jesus Christ is right there in God's very presence right now. And so we can come to God through Jesus because he's right there in the very presence of God. The Old Testament priests were never at the actual throne of God. They were here on earth. Jesus is there at the right hand of God. And so when you come to God through Jesus, you are right there in the very presence of God through Jesus Christ. That's the second reason. Third reason, Jesus' sacrifice was once for all. That's verse 27. Look at what he says. He, Jesus, has no need, like those high priests, Old Testament high priests, to offer sacrifices daily, first for his own sins, And then for those of the people, notice that the high priests had to offer sacrifices daily for their own sins. Okay, again, another point that they they were not perfect. They were sinful men. 
But Jesus has no need, like those high priests, to offer sacrifices daily, first for his own sins and then for those of the people. Since he did this, he offered sacrifices for the people once for all. You might want to underline those three crucial words. He did this once for all when he offered up himself. In the Old Testament, if you sinned today, you'd go to the priest and you'd offer a, he'd offer a sacrifice for you. If you sinned tomorrow, today's sacrifice wouldn't matter. You need to go and have another sacrifice, which shows that today's sacrifice only covered today's sins. Old Testament sacrifice were not once for all. When Jesus died on the cross, he paid for sins once for all. One time for all of your sins. If you're trusting Jesus Christ, then 2,000 years ago on the cross, all of your sins were paid for past, present, and future once for all, all done. One sacrifice accomplishing it all. Like he said, it is finished. All your sins paid for. That's the third reason Jesus is the perfect high priest. His sacrifice was once for all. And then the fourth reason. This is so powerful. It's because the Old Testament itself said that we need a different perfect priest. Remember, I asked the question, didn't the Old Testament tell us, God's people, to go to the Levitical priests to offer up sacrifices? Didn't the Old Testament, God's very word, didn't he call God's people, his people, to do that? And he did call them to do that. And so since that was God's word, shouldn't we keep relying on those Levitical priests? To answer that, I want you to turn to Psalm 110, verse 4. This is a very important verse for you to know. Psalm 110, verse 4. This is a prophecy about the Messiah. This is in the Old Testament. This is while the Levitical priests are still functioning. Uh, animal sacrifices, okay? The, God's people are still going to the Levitical priests. At the time this was written, God wants his people to keep going to those priests with those animal sacrifices. But look at what God says in Psalm 110, verse 4, about the Messiah. This is in the Old Testament. Look at what God says. Verse 4, the Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. He's speaking to the Messiah. You are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Now, Ian explained to us last week, in the book of Genesis, there was a high priest of God named Melchizedek. Okay, this is a picture of a, of a priest. And here's Psalm 110, verse 4. God, by the Holy Spirit, is referring back to that picture, saying the Messiah is going to be a priest forever like Melchizedek. Different from the Levitical priests. So the Old Testament itself says that there's a different priesthood coming than the Levitical priesthood. The Old Testament itself says there's a priest coming who will be priest forever. The Levitical priests are not going to be priests forever. Yes, at the time Psalm 110 was written, keep going to the Levitical priests. But the Messiah will be a different priest according to a different order of Melchizedek, and he'll be that priest forever. So do you see, the Old Testament itself tells us that we need Jesus as our perfect high priest. The Old Testament itself teaches that there will be a different high priest than the Levitical system. So with that in mind, turn back to Hebrews chapter 7 and read verse 28. Look what he says. Hebrews chapter 7, verse 28. He says... For the law, the Old Testament law in the book of Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, 
appoints men in their weakness as high priests. That's what the law did. Okay? But the word of the oath, Psalm 110, verse 4, which came later than the law, it was written after the book of Exodus, appoints a son who has been made perfect forever. So the Old Testament itself taught that there would be a different, perfect priest coming. Tell your Jewish friends that amazing truth. Open up Psalm 110, verse 4. Show them your book, which we love too. Your book teaches that the Levitical priesthood was going to come to an end and that the Messiah would be a priest according to the order of Melchizedek, a different priest. Four reasons why Jesus is the perfect high priest. One last question. Okay, so what was the point of this whole Old Testament priesthood thing then? What was all that about? Why was all that going on? Look what the author says in verses 1 through 5 of chapter 8. He answers that question. Verse 1. Now the point in what we're saying is this. We have such a high priest. One who is seated at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heaven. Not here on earth. He's at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heaven. He's a minister in the holy places, heaven itself. In the true tent that the Lord set up, not man, not an earthly tent or temple. For every high priest is appointed to offer gifts and sacrifices. Thus it is necessary for this priest also to have something to offer. Now if he were on earth, functioning as a, as a priest, he would not be priest at all because he wasn't of the line of Levi, since there are priests who offer gifts according to the law right now. Verse 5, they, these Levitical priests, they serve a copy and shadow of the heavenly things. For when Moses was about to erect the tent, he was instructed by God saying, see that you make everything according to the pattern that was shown you on the mountain. God took Moses up top of Mount Horeb, Mount Sinai, and God showed Moses the reality, the substance. And what Moses had people build here on planet Earth was a copy, a shadow of the substance that was in heaven. So the point of the Old Testament priesthood, right there beginning of verse 5, that all serves as a copy and a shadow of the heavenly things. The Old Testament priests were just a copy and a shadow of the reality of what was happening in heaven. Let me explain it like this. From eternity past, God had always chosen to save people through Jesus Christ, the perfect high priest, because of his sacrifice on the cross. From eternity past, this was the plan of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So it's not an afterthought. This was the beginning thought. From eternity past, this was the plan. God was going to save a vast multitude that no one could count from every nation, tongue, and tribe through the perfect high priest, Jesus, his son, and his perfect sacrifice for sin. And then to help all of humanity understand this, God showed Moses the reality of that in heaven, and he said, make a copy, make a shadow of this. It won't be the substance. It'll be a copy and a shadow so people can look and learn. This is the reality of what's happening in heaven. 
This priesthood is a picture of what's really going on in heaven. This picture shows us how we connect with God now. Anybody make any model cars when I may be aging or showing my age here, but still make little like model cars like do they? Okay, good. Some people do. I used to. All right. You make a little 57 Chevy, it can be about that long, and you, you, know, you get that, that glue that smells that people get. Anyway, I won't talk about that glue, but anyway, you, you build your, your model car. Okay, it's, it's a copy. It's a shadow. Okay, now you, you wouldn't want to try to get in and drive it. All right, that'd cause a problem. This is not going to get you anywhere, but this will teach you what the reality is. The Old Testament priesthood is like a model of a 57 Chevy, so that when you see the real thing, it's like, there's the real thing. This, that was interesting, but wow, let's drive that one, okay? That's the whole point of the Old Testament animal sacrifices and the priesthood and the temple. It was a copy and a shadow of the reality in heaven. The point of all that thousands of years and hundreds of thousands of sacrifices that were happening there in Israel was to teach humanity, this is how God operates. You can come to him as a sinful man, as a sinful woman, you can come to him through the perfect high priest, the sinless high priest, Jesus Christ, whose death once for all paid for all sins. Don't rely on the copy and the shadow. Those are copies and shadows. Those show the substance. Go to the substance, which is Jesus Christ. And so what the point of the Old Testament priesthood was to show us that the only way any human being could come to God was through Jesus Christ. It's the only way we could be forgiven by God, loved by God, accepted by God, was through Jesus Christ, our perfect high priest, whose death paid for our sins. Which brings us back to where we started. How can you know that every neighbor in your neighborhood needs Jesus Christ? How can you be sure that everybody at your workplace needs Jesus Christ? Yes, it's been working for you, but how can you know that every friend you have needs Jesus Christ? This is why we can know. Because God had the Old Testament priesthood to show us the only way anyone could come to God is through Jesus Christ, the perfect high priest, and his death on the cross. Now, here's what this means for us. Let me give you two takeaways, and then we're going to move into communion. First of all, Tell everyone about Jesus. Just tell everyone. Open up these verses. Quote Psalm 110, verse 4. Tell everyone about Jesus. They all need Jesus Christ. Everyone you meet is facing God's judgment for their sin, just like you were. And just like someone shared with you the good news, share with them the good news. Be be loving, non-argumentative, be respectful, be bold, care, and speak. Tell everyone about Jesus. They all need Jesus Christ. This is the answer for them. That's the first takeaway. And then second, draw near to God through Jesus. Draw near to God through Jesus. Don't don't settle for trying to be good. It doesn't work. If I go to church enough Sundays, I'll be I'll be in. It's not how it works. If I learn enough knowledge, knowledge is important, but that's, you can learn knowledge and not come to God through Jesus Christ. So come to God through Jesus Christ. That's what we want to do with, do with communion. Okay? Table at your left, table at your right. Let's have the, the worship team coming up so we can get ready. But let me just, I want us to do this while we're taking communion right now.
it's an amazing thing that me with the week that I've had and I've, I've sinned this last week I'm dealing with it I've repented over it but that I can come to God is an amazing thing right now that I can experience God's love that you can experience God's love it's an amazing thing we can experience right now it is an amazing thing that can happen here in this room right now you can come to the living God through Jesus Christ Maybe you've never put your trust in Christ before. I Do it now, and you can partake of communion. This is for anybody who's trusting Jesus. So you can just right now, you can come. But, but let's all, let's in a very real way, come to God through Jesus. You may need to confess before him that I have not been coming to you. I've been busy, been pursuing this, that, the other thing. Forgive me, and he will forgive you. He will draw you. He will pour his love upon you. He will embrace you. He will fill you and strengthen you and satisfy you. He will. Let's all come to God in, in, a, in a very real, deep, personal way. Communion is a time with the bread and the cup. The bread is a picture of Jesus' body. And the cup is a picture of Jesus' blood poured out for us. He is the Lamb of God which, who takes away the sins of the world, like John the Baptist said. And so we, we come not because of anything good in us. There's nothing in us that warrants God's acceptance. You have to understand that to come. It's part of the deal. Nothing in me deserves God's acceptance. The only reason I'll be able to come to God this morning right now is because of Jesus Christ. To come through him, my great high priest, and his death on the cross for me. And that's the same for all of us. So, Father, I pray that right now, you would pour out your spirit upon us. That each of us could come to you, Father, through your perfect high priest that you've provided, Jesus, your son, because of his death on the cross, and that we could meet you now. We have sins we need to confess. Help us to confess them. We need to look to you and trust you. Help us to look to you and trust you. But I pray, Lord God, that we can all come to you now through Jesus Christ and meet you, be strengthened in you, be comforted in you, be encouraged in you, be satisfied in you. So come and work in a mighty way now, I pray. Let's just lift the bread up to focus on Jesus' broken body. I just want you to think of how powerful a display his broken body is of his love for you. Jesus Christ loves you. He loves you. He could have called the whole thing off at any moment, asked for a legion of angels, he would have been out of there. Every minute of unbelievable physical suffering and even worse, the Father's wrath for our sin being poured out upon him. Every minute of what he suffered was chosen. Another minute. Another minute. As a demonstration of his love for you. Jesus Christ loves you. You can trust him. You must trust him.
So see the love in his broken body and trust him. He said, this is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Go ahead and partake. that up and reflect on Jesus shed blood it's his shed blood it's the only way we can come before God we all tend to think of reasons we should have, should be accepted by God it's just part of our of our indwelling sin, our remaining sin, we tend to think, you know, because I've been to church or because I've been working hard at my job or because I, I didn't do that or this. And we all can suddenly start to think of reasons why we deserve God's acceptance. And to the extent that we do that, we don't come to God. The only people who can come to God are those who say, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. That's me and that's you. And that's what his shed blood is all about. The only reason I can come to God is because of what this cup you're holding in your hand symbolizes. Jesus shed blood. And his blood cleanses us from all sin. And so because of his shed blood, we can come. And the Father's running towards us because of Jesus' shed blood. So thank him right now in your heart. Thank him. Turn from self-righteousness right now. Turn from things you've thought recommended you to God and just realize, no, Jesus' blood alone. So he gets the glory alone. And we get the salvation fully. He said, this cup is the cup of the new covenant in my blood poured out for many for the forgiveness for the forgiveness of sins so go ahead and partake let's stand together we want to glorify your name Jesus Christ savior crucified savior resurrected crucified savior thank you lord we praise you. Thank you, Father, for the cross, for our perfect high priest, for Jesus. We love you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.